Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month, taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. everybody it is friday march 10th 2023 and it is indeed a heck of a morning we are live on the ma fighting twitter spaces you can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the ma fighting podcasting network i am mike heck hope everyone's having a fantastic friday it is fight day for bellator mma bellator 292 going down tonight it is a damn good main card very excited for Usman Nurmagomedov's first title defense against the gritty, tough, wily veteran Benson Henderson. The fight right before that, the co-main event, the first fight in the lightweight Grand Prix for Bellator, Alexander Shabley versus Tofik Masayev. If there is an under-the-radar low-key banger anywhere in MMA this weekend or maybe this entire month that fight might be in might be the one because nobody's talking about it nobody's talking about it all eyes are on the main event i totally understand that but this shabli versus messiah fight friggin rules and i am excited for that one we got valentin boldovsky versus linton vassell we have michael venom page versus goichi yamauchi that's an interesting fun fight Spellator card is really, really good. So I would suggest if you are a mixed martial arts fan and you are in this space, so I assume that you are, don't miss that one. I think it's a better card. It's a better main card than the UFC's. I think it's a better card in total than the UFC's offering on Saturday. So there's a lot to like about that one. And of course, the UFC is back tomorrow. UFC Las Vegas. Love the start time. Very much in favor of it. 3 p.m. Eastern prelims, 6 p.m. Eastern main card. This is the way all fight night cards should be, in my humble opinion. But who am I to complain when our international fans have to stay up basically overnight to watch these cards? But I just think this is a a perfect time frame for a non-pay-per-view card. And then it's on roads to, to UFC 286 in London. Watch party going down next Saturday. A little bit of an earlier start time for that card as well. And that also makes me happy. Today just makes me happy. I'm just in a really good mood. And it is a free-for-all Friday. So we can talk about the Bellator card. We can talk about the UFC card. We can talk about UFC 285. We can talk about UFC 286. We can talk about pro wrestling. We can talk about whatever you want. It's your show. And that's what we're going to do for the next hour or so. So I believe Max was first in line. So we will begin there. Max, hello. Heck of a morning, Mike. Thanks for letting me start off this uh, free-for-all Friday. How, how are you doing today? 
I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing quite well. Literally just uh, <laughs> woke up like five minutes ago. So it's a good thing I hopped on this chat. It's a great way to start the morning. So cheers, brother. Uh, if we can ask about anything, I might as well ask about uh, two things that have nothing to do with MMA. So let's just go for it. Uh, what is your go-to fast food? You know, like let's say you're just, you know, you're really itching for some some greasy meal. What is your go-to uh, fast food restaurant slash meal? And then I'd also like to ask about uh, how do you feel about AEW? I'm going to be seeing them live uh, this upcoming Wednesday. So I'd like to know. I know you were a little bit low on them before, and, you know, that's, that's, that's is a-okay. But I'd like to know how you're feeling about them now. Are you still feeling they're a little bit stinky, or are you, uh, you feeling like you're a bigger fan nowadays? Anyways, thanks for the time, brother, and I uh, hope you have a great Friday. Cheers. Thanks, man. So I'm not like a huge fast food guy. Like I'll eat fast food if I have to like make a long drive or something uh, or it's like super late at night and there's nothing else open. But I will say if I have to choose uh, Wendy's wins, I am a big fan of the Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich. It's my go-to if I have to do fast food, love it. It's delightful. It's delicious. And my kid loves their chicken nuggets. So and there's a Wendy's literally two minutes from my house, which is a beautiful thing. As far as AEW goes, man, I will say I, I watched the pay-per-view. It was pretty good. The main event was incredible. MJF and, and Brian Danielson tore the friggin' house down. That will probably be like, if that's not the match of the year at the end of 2023, then this is going to be a damn good year for pro wrestling. But that match is incredible. The problem I had with the pay-per-view and the problem I continue to have with AEW is that the booking of everything makes no sense. It makes no sense. Like, I appreciate what MJF and Brian Danielson did. That match was unbelievable. And if you're like a fringe pro wrestling fan, if you can find that, it's worth your 67 minutes. I can assure you. It was incredible. But the lead up to that, was terrible. Nobody cared about Brian Danielson. And MJF was like two MJFs leading into it. And it was their first match. It was their first match ever. And we're going to do a friggin' Iron Man match? None of it makes sense. The Wednesday shows are terrible. They are god-awful. They have been brutal for the last month or so. Last And I tried to watch last Wednesdays. I'm like, all right, they're coming off a pay-per-view. They got a lot of good buzz. And that show sucks. It's just awful. Tony Khan is one of the worst bookers in pro wrestling history. He's just not good at his job. There are other things he is very good at. But they need to bring somebody in to book a television show. Because it's just brutal to watch. It just, nothing gets going. Everything is, it's just too much. And nothing makes sense. Nothing makes sense. I don't need the 20-team battle royals. I don't need all the ladder matches for random spots on random cards. Like, I don't need that. Just give me decent matches. Give me some story. Give me that. But AEW is just too much. It's just too much. None of it makes sense. None of it makes sense. Pay-per-view is pretty good, though. It's a fun watch. The main event rules. But the Wednesday show is stinky. It's so stinky. And WWE is not much better. AEW, like, does too much with the wrestling. Like, every match is, like, a half an hour. It's insane. But WWE is, like, one-minute matches, commercial break, one more minute, commercial break, 45 minutes of talking, 
six-minute match, commercial break, more talking. Oh, after all the talking, you know what WWF does? A talk show. They do talk shows in the middle of the ring after an hour full of promos. Why? Piper's pits were like four minutes long. We have to do an MVP lounge for 45 minutes? Get off of me. Pro wrestling's in a tough spot right now. These weekly shows got to get better. Raw is really hard to watch. It's brutal. Three hours. It's just, you can't do it. There you go. I'm off my wrestling soapbox, but I have a feeling I'm going to be thrown back on there at some point. Ani, hello. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, hope you're doing well. You too. Yes. Yeah, so, um, it is, I mean, it is free for all, but uh, I I will be in the neighborhood of MMA. So one, I mean, the, I'll, I'll start off by giving, you know, I just have a couple of thoughts that I'd like to share and then a fun question. So the thoughts are, you know, I was just watching BTL before hopping on over here. So I was listening to all the debates and, you know, uh, it was nice. And I really appreciated and I was able to relate to what New York Rick had to say with pound for pound being called. And he used the word skill. I think that was key. Uh, the, the word skill is usually, you know, thrown away. And we always talk about resumes. But that's not the case. So the pound for pound for pound thing was really nice. And I really like Jed because of uh, the fact that all the people just get riled up just because of the way he presents himself. And that I find that to be very funny. He'd be a really nice pro wrestling manager. And you know what? You know what? He should give a shot at that. It was for real. Like, you know, if Paul Heyman for some absolutely, you know, some somebody when he when Paul Heyman steps away. Jed should be there because I feel like he can slip into his shoes oh so easily. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so when it comes to Valentina Shevchenko and Alexa Grasso, there was this debate about, was it the biggest upset? What is the biggest upset? And would Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso make the Mount Rushmore of the upsets? I think it should because of the way it happened. The thing with Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena, I mean, I'm I'm still torn between which one is better because Amanda Nunes looked like Amanda Nunes in the first round. And then in the second round, I think she had an adrenaline dump. And I think we can agree on that just because uh, we've seen how the third fight went. And I don't think it's disrespectful towards Juliana Pena to say that Amanda Nunes had an adrenaline dump, and which is why she lost. She, underestim- she underestimated Juliana Pena. So Juliana just mentally out-toughed her in that match. But when it comes to Valentina Shevchenko, one thing that we are not used to seeing is her making mistakes. Valentina Shevchenko does not make mistakes at all. And uh, the, the story leading into the fight was, she said, you know, you keep talking about my weaknesses. Make sure you don't forget your weaknesses. And Alexa Grasso capitalized on Valentina Shevchenko's, you know, momentary lapse of judgment. Um, And that was shocking to see. It was shocking to see another UFC flyweight technically find a hole in Valentina Shevchenko's game. That was shocking. So I would say, like, if a hardcore MMA fan was to, you know, put 
shocks on you know uh, rate the shocks on mount rushmore of you know these upsets i think valentinas would be a first because they look at the technicalities of this but anyway uh, uh, i would like to finish off with something fun i think ak would like this as well just for fun why don't you give me a match that would absolutely end someone's career something like a paddy pimblet versus arman sarukian you know what i mean just to have fun um that's that's what i'd like to end with thank you mike hacker for morning we started off like so positive and now you want me to come up with a matchup that will end a fighter's career holy smokes uh i would say i mean patty's probably a great answer you threw it out there so i'll just go with that Patty against either Justin Gaethje or, or Rafael Fiziev would be a really tough night for him. Uh, I don't know if it would end his career. I don't know if anybody in the UFC's career would end <laughs> in a fight. Uh, maybe it would, but it would be kind of a freakish thing. So I'll just go with that for now, but I'm not confident in that choice. The Shevchenko one, like, I can't put it in my Mount Rushmore, but I understand those who 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 can. I mean, I didn't. I just didn't think... Alexa had a shot in this fight, and it wasn't because I didn't think she was a good fighter. I just felt like the timing of it all, the physicality between the two, I just felt stylistically on paper, Valentina just matched up so well with Alexa. And Alexa just said, you know what? F what you think, or anybody else thinks. I'm ready for this. And she went out there, proved she could be physical, was ready for that spin kick, pounced on it, and won the damn fight. So, But Pena, to me, is number two. That's that's number two for me. I don't think anything beats Matt Sarah GSP. Nothing will top that as far as upsets. I, I just don't see it happening. But Pena, Nunez, and yeah, you could say there was a path to victory because Nunez has lost fights like that. Casey loves to say that, and he's not wrong. And I also just felt like Nunez was kind of ripe for the picking because she just didn't seem to care about this fight. But if Alexa Grasso fought Valentina, and the way I look at it and New York Rick was kind of right about this. We kind of have to see what happens in the next fight before we can judge. But if Valentina Shevchenko, after watching that fight, if Valentina Shevchenko fought Alexa Grasso a hundred times, I would think Valentina would win like 70 of them. I think she'd win like 70% of them, but I think Alexa could win 30% of them. Like I, I, I'm, I feel pretty good about that. Maybe it's higher. I don't know, but I wouldn't go any lower than that. But if Nunez fought Juliana Pena a hundred times, Nunez is winning that fight 99 times. She's winning that fight 99 times. And I respect Juliana Pena. She is tough as hell. That was... The rematch was like the most compelling ass-kicking that I've ever seen. Where it was like, this is fun, but Pena is just getting worked right now. Like, in, in such a bad way. But at least Pena's toughness made that fight somewhat compelling. So I, I'm with you on that one. And then the pound for pound stuff. I mean, we've talked about that a lot at this point. It's, it's, it's an opinion thing. Pound for pound is opinions. And, and I liked the example of that's like trying to compare LeBron to Michael Jordan. Like you can't do it. It's two different times, two different eras. Um, and now with pound for pound, it's like different weight classes and different opponents and different resumes. It's just based on what you think. Could be who's the be better fighter, who has the most skills, whose resume is better. There's so many ways you can look at it. But, man, fans just go bananas over this pound-for-pound -pound stuff. I don't know why. 
I don't understand why people take it so seriously. It's like your opinion. It's your opinion. But I mean, what an honor and a privilege this is right now. Oh, my best oh, friend. The, the honor Hello. and privilege is all mine. Please, uh, uh, Mike, you embarrass me, my best friend. You embarrass me. Uh, my <laughs> mentioned, uh, and I don't always have time to chime in, but I, I'm happy to answer this question of uh, a potential career-ending matchup. Uh, first of all, Mike, thank you for uh, flying the good flag of Sarah GSP being the greatest upset of all time. It, I don't want to say it'll never get replaced. It's just it's going to be so hard to because the circumstances like that led up to that fight just, just can't be replicated. Like I, I like we just don't live in an uh, age where you can get a title shot the way Matt Sarah did. Um, you can kind of catch a champion in the situation that like GFT was in, like before his reign had really started, like, you know, the reign that we know now, it wasn't like, I think people kind of go back and, and think it was like, it was during his like run. I was like, no, it was like supposed to be his first title defense. And he, and he, he biffed it. Uh, GSP just totally botched it. Um, so again, it's, it's really hard. And, the, and then went on to arguably the greatest uh, title run in MMA history. So it, it it's just really hard to replicate that. If people want to put Grasso up there, totally understand uh, Juliana Pena for sure. Like these are n enormous upsets. Um, but uh, for me, it, and if they want to kind of like separate eras, it's almost like maybe the pre, I don't know, the pre uh, Endeavor era or something and post Endeavor era. Okay. You're going to, cause again, it's just, it's almost like it wasn't that long ago, but it does feel like a different world now, the world where Sarah beat GSP. So thank you for reminding people of that because people keep trying to tell me like, oh, this is the new one. This is the new biggest upset. And I'm like, no, go back to the circumstances surrounding Sarah GSP. It's, it's still mind-blowing to say. Uh, but yeah, and I'll quickly answer the question of, uh, oh, you want to end someone? Like, you want to end someone's career? This is a free-for-all Friday. And listen, this guy's got one foot out the door already. We all know it. He signed an eight-fight contract recently or was amended, whatever. But uh, I'll tell you something. John Jones... If he fights Jelton Almeida, that's a <laughs> that's a wrap for John Jones, buddy. That's a wrap for John Jones. I've said it. It fights never gonna happen. Jones gonna beat Stipe, may and then you know hang around a little bit longer in the hopes that the UFC brings back Francis. And if that fight happens, if John Jones fights Francis and beats him, John Jones is never fighting again. I I, I can't I'm, see a world where he would ever fight again. Why he would fight a Jelton Almeida or a Sergey Pavlovich, like anyone that even has like the slightest chance of upsetting him but that he gains nothing from beating like i i like sergey Pavlovich, i love jelton almeida J john jones gains nothing from beating those guys he gains nothing he gains, they're they're not well-known people i think they're really good heavyweights i actually could give both of them a chance to beat him but he he, I, he would be favored rightfully so pretty big favorite i think either and if he wins then what's another paycheck which he probably doesn't need he's probably doing pretty well financially so but if that fight if i could wave my on to the next one, Magic Wand, Mike, and throw Justin Almeida in there with John Jones right now. He ends John Jones's career, hands him his first loss, and John Jones is like, I'm out. I didn't know it was like this. I'm out of here. Wow. I, I mean, if um, if someone's like, Mike, I'll give you $1,000 if you guess what fight AK would say, but you only have three guesses, I would have a 1000 extra dollars. 100%. AK is just so good at this. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. 
elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Let's keep it rolling. Mikey Bats. Perhaps. The wheel is spinning. Uh, Mikey, try again. Let's try double A. Double A, hello. Yes, what's up, buddy? Good. So um, I just wanted to know your thoughts of um, Davis and Figueroa um, calling out Dominic Cruz. Um, as a Cruz fan, I think it'd be if, and especially especially if um the power translates for Figgy at um thirty five, I think it'd be stupid for Dominic Cruz to take this fight. Okay, that's all I've got. Have a great day, everyone, and peace. I mean, AK, block your ears. Block your ears. Block them. Because it's coming. Keeping my feet in the sand. It's not a good call-out. I mean, it's a fine call-out. Uh, but it's not the right fight. Because the right fight is Davis and Figueredo fighting Cody Garbrandt. That's the right fight. That's the one. Dominic's not going to take that fight. Dominic can say no if he wants. He can say no. You know who can't say no? Cody Garbrandt can't say no. And Cody's the former champion. Cody's got his back against the wall. And maybe, just maybe, Cody can defeat Davison Figueredo and get his career back on track. Because the Trevin Jones win, it was a win, but it didn't get his career back on track. There are, people, there are probably more questions about Cody Garbrandt coming out of that fight than there were heading in. Go fight Davison Figueredo. You've got to be on your A game. You've got to mind those P's and those Q's. But that's the correct answer. AK, we knew it was coming. He beat feet out of here. He didn't want to have a fight with me on this. Uh, but yeah, I, that's the one I want to see. We were supposed to get it anyways. Let's just do it. Let's see if Cody can win. Maybe he can. Maybe Cody can win that fight. I don't know. But that's the one I want to see. If he fights Cruz, sure. But I, would, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would pick Figgy in that fight. I don't know if I would pick him. But why not? At least he won't take a lot of damage in that fight. He might get hit a bunch, but I don't think he'll he won't get like brutally KO'd in that fight. CV, hello. Yo, Mike. Hope you're having one heck of a Friday. You too. Uh, What's going on? Yeah. Uh, two quick non MMA questions. Uh, first off, um, any thoughts on the Tank Davis and uh, Ryan Garcia fight? And second, um, since baseball is around the corner. Um, Man, how do you feel about your Red Sox this season? That um, they had a pretty rough off season, and I don't see them coming out of the AL East. Man, how do you feel about that? Um, I mean, we'll see. They're having a they're having an incredible sp- uh, spring training, but 
someone told me about this. I was playing golf and had my Red Sox hat on the other day. And someone's like, oh, the Red Sox haven't lost a spring training game yet. And I was like, well, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But they had, like, they had the hosses. They just, there were injuries and all sorts of other things. So if they can stay healthy, they can compete. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I like some of the moves they made. I like the Turner signing. Uh, I like how they locked Devers up long-term. They needed to get that done. Hopefully Chris Sale is back being, even if he's not the Chris Sale of old, even like 80% of Chris Sale is, is cool with me. So, yeah, I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic, but if this is 10 years ago, I would be, I'd be on pins and needles. But, you know, if they make the playoffs, great. If they win 85 games and show some signs of life, great. They don't make the playoffs. It'll suck, but it won't ruin my won't ruin my year. But I think they could be okay. Uh, what what I think is the best is when the Yankees just go bananas with their payroll, and then they can't get out of the second round of the playoffs. It's just hilarious every time. And Aaron Judge just got this massive contract, and he's going to stink it up in the playoffs like he always does. And we're going to keep having these conversations and it's going to be electric and hilarious. And I will laugh a lot about it. Garcia uh, Davis, dude, I mean, all I can say is like, I don't have like a technical breakdown of that fight. Really. It's just the fight that needed to be made. And it was a fight that needed to be made for like the last year to two years, if not longer. But finally the boxing gods have shined light and we finally got a fight that needed to happen. We don't get it often, but apparently we're going to get it we're going to get it this time and I am fired up for it. They're doing the media tour, they're getting the buzz out there already. We're still like 6 weeks away from it. By the time we get to the date, oh man, I'm going to be fired up for that one. I ain't missing that fight. That's for sure. Let's go to Chase. What's up, Mike? Chase, how you doing, man? Doing good. How are you? Yeah. Heck of a morning. You too. Um, I've got a question really for Boston, Mike. Uh, what is your favorite Boston sports moment that you've witnessed, whether it's like a championship or a really cool career moment for a Boston athlete? Like what really sticks out to you as a fan? Oh, man, there's a lot. There's a lot. Um as far as like the Celtics go, I was I was at a game where Bird Larry Bird just went banana and dropped like fifty on the Portland Trailblazers. And this is like old man Bird where he had like a half he had like no back he had like Derek Lewis's back from three years ago. And the dude couldn't get up and down the floor. But they had like a Sunday afternoon game and I got the chance to go and Bird just went off. It was like the old bird. Couldn't really move, but he couldn't miss a freaking shot. It was incredible. Uh, I was at Cam Neely's comeback game when he got, like, the cheapest hit of all time, and he was out for a couple of years. And then he came back and scored a freaking goal in this comeback game. So I was there for that. That was awesome. Uh, Patriots, I was working security at Foxborough Stadium during the Snow Bowl game which was awesome. So I was there and I got to, I was basically up in the third section as a blizzard was pouring snow upon us for hours and hours and hours. But I got to watch the tuck rule game. Vinatieri make two of the most incredible kicks in the history of the NFL. 
and the Patriots went on to win the Super Bowl that year. And as far as the Red Sox go, I've been to a couple of playoff clinchers. And I, both were against the Angels, oddly enough. Uh, but the one that I will, I will go with is 2004. Uh, David Ortiz, Game 3, ALDS. Uh, Sox are kicking the holy hell out of the Angels. Vladimir Guerrero hits a grand slam to tie the game. And then Derek Lowe, of all people, comes out of the bullpen in the top of the ninth and pitches the Red Sox out of a tough jam collectively in the center field bleachers when Derek Lowe trotted his tall, lanky ass out to the mound. We were like, oh, no, not Derek Lowe. And then Derek Lowe gets him out of the inning. And then he ended up having an incredible postseason from there. And then Ortiz gets up in the bottom of the ninth and just puts one over the green monster, and it was incredible. So I got to see some pretty cool moments. Definitely got to see some pretty cool moments. Let's go to Terrence. Terrence. Hey, what's up, Mike? What's up, buddy? How are you? How are you? So I know I'm going to come off sounding like a hater, but um, when it comes to John Jones, I feel like he was either fighting injured or scared. Like, he didn't – usually what people say, like, over the years of, like, being an MMA um, fandom and Twitter or what have you, like, he finds whatever somebody's strong suit is and then beats them at that. So generally speaking, somebody's a striker, he'll try to beat them in striking. If they're a grappler, he'll try to beat them as – in the grappling department. I felt either he wanted to not do that because he really needed to get through it because he was injured, which people were saying that he looked like he was walking, like he was injured. Um, and two uh, would be like he was um, not wanting to get hit. And he was like, all right, I'm just going to hurry up and get this done. It reminds me of when he fought Chell Sonnen and he messed up his toe. He knew he needed to hurry up and get this over with before – something happened and he got DQ'd or something like that happened. Um, and then the last um, part that I wanted to say something about, or just ask you rather when it comes to like your favorite MMA fight. So if you had like a last fight, you're on your deathbed and you're like, I want to watch one last fight and one last meal. What would those things be and why? That's it. Thank you. Oh man. Uh, so the John Jones thing, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I think having the tape taken off his toes were, was something that he wasn't ready for. And he's talked about it for a while that has hampered him for years and it continues to. And I'm sure it was feeling pretty good after it was all taped up and then the commission made him take him off. And, you know, normally that, that would throw a fighter off. Like it would throw me off. Like you're ready, you're jacked up, you're ready to walk into the cage and all of a sudden the commission's like, Nope, take all the, the tape off. And the, like everything just got delayed kick, getting kicked off. And then the first strike, Zero Gone throws in the fight, kicks him in the ball. So, I mean, there's a lot that happened. Jones gets the takedown and finishes it immediately. So, I don't know. I still have questions. I still have questions. I do think he's going to beat Stipe. And unfortunately, before John, because I think if he beats Stipe, he's just going to. I don't think like I don't know if he's going to necessarily retire, but he is going away. He's going to take a break because, like AK said, there's just nothing else makes sense. Nothing else makes sense. Now, could he take another fight that he cherry picks and calls for just to try to get the numbers up? Sure. Could he call Tai Tuivasa and fight him? Sure. Is he going to fight Curtis Blades? No. 
Is he going to fight Sergey Pavlich? No. Would he fight Tai Tuivasa? Sure. Would he fight Derek Lewis? Sure. He would pump up the numbers, but he's going to be very smart. He's, he's in prize fighter mode right now. He's in prize fighter and legacy mode. That's it. So we're not going to see John Jones versus Alexander Romanov. It's, we're never going to see that fight. But I have, I, there's a part of me that feels like when John does walk away, we're going to still have a bunch of questions about him. So, yeah. As far as your other question goes, it's Carlos Condit versus Robbie Lawler. That fight is incredible. Uh, that's still that's still my favorite fight to watch. I mean, I, I just I'm humbled and I'm taken aback by all the uh, the colleague participation here. Jed Mishu, holy shitballs. Hey. What's up, buddy? Hey, Mike. First time, a uh, long time. Uh, I, I apologize if you've already been asked this question. I hopped on a little late today. Big weekend starting tonight. Uh, excluding the UFC main event, what is what is your favorite? What is the best fight of the weekend? And I will, uh, I'll take my answer off air. Uh, I did sort of touch on this. I wasn't asked about it specifically, but uh, it is the Topic Masayev Alexander Shabley fight. Fight is incredible. I can't wait. It two dudes who just are gonna, as you like to say, Jed, they're gonna stand there and chuck them. Shabley's got some good takedowns, but mostly in counter situations. So I don't think Shabley's going to go in there and just shoot a bunch of doubles of people. But man, that fight's going to be incredible. Those two are just going to beat the brakes off of each other. And nobody's talking about the fight at all. That is the correct answer for the low-key banger of the weekend. It's a cold main event, and it's not even a cheap answer. That fight is incredible. I'm, I'm oddly fascinated by the Michael Venom Page Goichi Yamauchi fight. And I guess the runner-up would be, even though it's another co-main event, I believe it's a co-main event, uh, I just want to see if Alexander Romanov can fight for more than four minutes and 45 seconds. I want to see if he can do it. Jed, as, as you're aware, I was as high, if not higher, on Alexander Romanov than you were before the Marching Tibora fight. And I don't feel that way right now. I'm not done. I'm not off the train yet, but that cardio, that cardio issue is a big one. So I am intrigued to see how he handles all of that. Let's go to Aaron. Aaron, hello. Aaron, are you there? All right. I think you have a, a slight connection issue. So try again. Let's go to Agro. Agro MMAU. Agro. Hello, sir. First Good time on the show. Uh, greetings from, from Mexico. Uh, the subject, of course, will be Alexa Grasso. So I'm not uh, sure if I already heard any technical breakdown, but she kind of uh, shut down Valentina's striking game, at least on the kicking range. Uh, I think she made her very uncomfortable. And a little bit of a hot take here, but I rewatched the fight and I could even say that Alexa won round number two based on damage slash impact since Valentina took her down but couldn't really do anything. No submission threat, no ground and pound on round two. So what do you think, Mike? Thank you. Don't really agree with that. I mean, they were all, all three rounds. I, I thought 
Grasso clearly won the first. I thought, I don't know. I remember, I haven't watched the fight a second time. I don't know if it was two or three where Valentina had the crucifix and was dropping elbows on her and dropping those punches on her. I mean, they weren't like devastating or, or anywhere near the fight being stopped. But whatever round that was, I thought it was clear for Valentina. But they were all competitive. Like two and three were very competitive. They were competitive. And all three judges were kind of on the same boat as I was. One to Grasso, two and three for Shevchenko. I thought Shevchenko was winning the fourth before that moment with the spin kick and the takedown, the back take. Um, but it was, again, very competitive. But Alexa was unbelievable. I mean, what can you say? She was unbelievable. She was ready for everything. She has evolved in in such a big way, especially physically and her strength and her ability to adapt to fighting people who have better physicality than she does. She hung in there like a champion and oddly enough, she is the champion now. That was an incredible performance. I don't know. Like once they book the rematch, I assume they're going to try for Mexico city. If there's no other destination on planet earth, that makes more sense to rebook that rematch other than Mexico City. I don't know if I'm picking Alexa Grasso in the rematch. I don't know. I'm certainly not as confident as I was in Valentina the set the, the as I was in Valentina the first time around. But I don't know if I'm picking Alexa again. I feel like it's just, I feel like if they fight ten times, Valentina's gonna win six or seven of them. But Alexa can win some. She can win three or four. I can't say that about a lot of other fighters in, the, in that division. Let's see if we can get Aaron in here now. Aaron, hello. Uh, sorry about that first time. Like, I, I think. Oh, no problem. Yeah, I forgot about it. Um, What's up? Oh, yeah. Have you seen uh, any of the Nick Diaz comments recently? <laughs> Uh, I have, and I, I just chalk it up to Diaz being Diaz. You want, he wants to fight Adesanya and Pereira next. Ain't going to happen, man. Ain't going to happen. There are fun. Like I'm not, I, I just was so taken aback. Like I was still shocked that Nate, that Nick Diaz actually fought in a cage, but he just looked, I mean, it was fun. Like the fight with Robbie Lawler was, was fun for what it was but nick looked pretty bad in that fight and i know there there may have been other circumstances involved and i know nick talked about a lot of things but when it comes to the diaz brothers nick in particular it's hard to under to know what's real and what isn't but i I mean i'm not saying i don't want to see nick fight again but i certainly don't want to see him fighting alex Pereira or israel adesanya but there are fights for him matt brown would be fun after Matt fights Court McGee, if they want to do it at 170 or doing 185, either way, there are fun fights. But these are the ones. Like, it's the Lawlers, it's the Matt Browns, it's guys like that. It is certainly not anybody in the top 15, the top 20, top 30. No. No. But... If he wants to get in there and fight, I mean, I've seen photos of him. He looks to be in pretty damn good shape right now. So if he wants to go in there and do it again, 
let's do it. But I don't think he's going to be fighting any of those guys. Four Corner Sports, hello. Hey, Mike. Um, are you going to hear me? Yes. Well, I wanted to say um, well, shout-out to Esther Land. I mean, she put out some great you know, photos yesterday um, for Garcia and Tank. I mean, that, that lady is the GOAT when it comes to you know, when it comes to photography. Um, yes. I wanted to ask you, so I was watching tape yesterday of, of Shavkat. Um, I was watching it with my girlfriend and her family. Do you feel like, like what holes do you think he needs to fix in this game? Because I saw he kept the chin up a lot. I know he just didn't care. He was just trying to attack uh, Jeff, Jeff Neal. But what holes do you think he needs to fix in this game if he wants to fight? Uh, top five opponents like Kobe. I know he called out Kobe, but I don't know if he's going to get it or not. I feel like he's most likely getting Bilal. But like, what do you think he needs to fix up so he doesn't have to experience that type of beating that he took against Jeff Neal? And what's going on with uh, Rose Namajunas? Um, I know she had put out there months ago that she was going to try to possibly put on muscle. She was flirting with the idea of going up to 125, but what's going on with her? I feel like if she goes up to 125, It'll be very, very interesting to see how that division plays out. And especially if you have Alexa remaining as champion, like what do you think that can, you know, possibly lay out for the women's flyweight division? Thanks, man. So, I mean, at first when Valentino was just running roughshod over everybody, like the Rose thing was interesting in a way because it's just like another name that could draw. But now I'm not really all that interested. I mean, I, if she wants to take a shot and have a fight at 125, cool, just to see how it would all go. But I don't know. I feel like title hopes are kind of – I don't know. It, I guess it all depends on her. As far as when she's going to come back and what she's going to do, I have no idea. Your guess is as good as mine with that one. And with Shafkot, I don't know. It probably is just better defense with the striking, but I think he was just going in there to have some fun more – more than not with Jeff Neal. So I don't know. The jury's still out, but that, that, that was a big one that I noticed and that a lot of other people noticed, but didn't really seem to slow shot got down all that much. Cause Jeff Neal hits really, really hard and shot got took it all and was smiling. It was smiling. Like, and this wasn't a, ah, oh, you got me. I'm really hurt. Smile. This is a, I just took your best shot, and now I'm about to really hurt you, smile. And that's what makes him very scary. Zeke, hello. My man, Mike, how are we? Good. Um, I got a lot for you today, so if I get long-winded, you just cut me off whenever, okay? Um, first things first, main event this weekend. I am super excited. Is it a can't-lose for Marab Davalishvili, or is it a must-win for Peter Young? Secondly, Let's move along the line here, and let's go to London. Usman versus Edwards. Do you think it was more of the altitude and Usman kind of looked ahead of Edwards? Or do we think Usman's already halfway out the door? Do you think him mentioning retirement? you think him, you know, defending the belt, what was that, six, seven times, whatever it was, was too much for him? Do you think, you know, this is, this is Rocky's run? And lastly... John Jones versus Ciro gone is gone. What is it going to take for Francis to come back? Is it even possible? Is it in the plethora 
of possibilities in Dana White's world? Those are my three questions for you, Mike. Have a heck of a Friday. Hmm. I will say that I'm not confident in Ghana and Jones ever happens, but I feel more confident than what Dana is saying. So I'll, I'll go with that. John, it's all up to John. Like it is all up to John Jones. He goes out and just kills Stipe and then he gets on the mic and he calls for Francis. The UFC is going to take a shot at France. They'd be insane not to. It would be literally, at that point, it would literally be the biggest fight they can make. And it's been the biggest fight they can make. But if John goes out there and just melts Stipe, it will be by far the biggest fight they can make. So I, the UFC is going to take a shot. Now, I think it's more on whether or not Francis will concede in it to any of this because the UFC is going to try. Like, they would be absolutely nuts to not try. And then I'll answer the Marab Yan question. Um, it's tough. I don't, like, a loss for either of those guys is really bad. Like, it's really bad. But you can make, we were talking about this on BTL yesterday, you can make a, you can make a true case Right now, the Piotr Jan is an undefeated fighter outside of the DQ. The DQ is, is, like, is a loss. That dude broke the rules, cheated, should have 100% been disqualified. Outside of the DQ, you can make a strong case that Piotr Jan is an undefeated fighter because all those other losses are splitties, and you can make a case that he won all of those fights. Outside, of, I think Sterling beat him, but... The O'Malley one, certainly. The other one, certainly. Jan's just, Jan's just really good. I, I'm picking Jan to beat Marab tomorrow. I just think he's better everywhere. Uh, obviously, Marab can wrestle and take people down. He's got a gas tank. But I think Jan will figure him out. And Jan's takedown defense is pretty damn good. So just like Jose Aldo's. I think it's... And if Marat, like if Jan, neither guy's getting a title shot if they win. So that's for sure. It's, even if Marab wins, he's not getting a title shot. Even if Sterling is like, I'm moving up to 145, he's not getting a title shot next. Unless, unless he just trucks Piotr Jan. But if we get a Marab-like workman decision, he, play, he might need two more wins before he fights for the belt. He's the tough one. He's he's the Benil Dariush in this conversation by by a mile. And it's not even close. He has the most work to do to get back to a title shot. Or get to a title shot. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Viking, hello. Good. Just tell me one thing. How in the hell, Erin Blanchfield, you guys are all talking about Erin Blanchfield. 
how in the world she earned the title shot just tell me she fought molly Mo- molly mccann and molly mccann was fighting unranked opponent and she has no background of wrestling or jiu jitsu or no ground she has no ground game erin blanchfield got him okay erin blanchfield got her after that jessica andraj who fought for money okay jessica andraj who fought for money and accepted the fight on short notice erin blanchfield got her okay just like that bo nickel has finished his fight in one, in round 1 so give him a title shot why you guys are not shouting about bonical getting title shot so, and how in the world erin blanchfield should erin blanchfield deserve the title shot i just don't know later fight ranked opponent oh not ranked opponent a skilled opponent and then ride on that bandwagon and respect the fighter who has done a lot of for the sport that's it all right i mean because aaron blanchfield did i don't care if just gondrach took the fight on short notice everybody picked most as soon as that fight was announced go back to twitter and see everybody's reaction to it go look at it go back and look at it when that fight was announced that she was fighting just gondrach Everybody was saying, "Oh shit. Aaron Blanchfield's about to lose a fight." That's what everybody was saying. "Oh, this is a far tougher matchup even on short notice." But everybody said that. And then she goes out and just melts Jessica Andrade, just runs her over, which by the way, outside of Valentina Shevchenko over the last 5 years, who else has done that? And Jessica Andrade has taken short notice fights and won most of them. But Aaron Blanchfield went in, went toe-to-toe with her, took Andrade's best shots, walked right through him, still probably won the first round, and then took her down and tapped her in the second. Who has done that to her besides Valentina Shevchenko? What else does she need to do? If she beat Tyler Santos, would we be having the same conversation? No. She deserves it. That went over Jessica Andrade and how she did it. And I don't care if Jessica Andrade took the fight on 12 hours notice. Jessica knew the risks, as did Aaron Blanchfield. Aaron was preparing to fight Tyler Santos, which was a completely different fight. And Aaron took the fight on a week's notice and went out there and beat her. And Jessica Andrade at the time was like number two or number three in the division. So we're going to dock her because Jessica Andrade stepped in and said yes to a fight. No, of course not. Now, do I Aaron's probably going to have to fight again. She's probably going to have to get another fight and she might fight Man and Fioro. She is going to absolutely truck Man and Fioro. That fight will not be competitive, my friends. She is going to truck Man and Fioro. And I would pick Aaron Blanchfield to beat Valentina Shevchenko right now, confidently. I would pick Aaron Blanchfield to beat Valentina Shevchenko. I would pick her to beat Alexa Grasso. I don't know how confident I would be in that pick. I'd be si- somewhat confident. But Aaron Blanchfield, just be prepared. Aaron Blanchfield is about to be a long-reigning flyweight champion. Just be ready for it. And the scary thing about Aaron Blanchfield is 
we're seeing to to shout out Kamar Usman. We're seeing like sixty percent of her potential right now. She's got she's gotta get so much better. She's going to be the flyweight champion for a very long time when she gets her shot. And even if she loses her first one, she's going to get another one. And then at that point, she's going to win it, and she's going to just be a bull and just run people over. But, yeah, she deserves it. She deserves a title fight. If she beat Tyler Santos, she would have deserved a title fight. She got arguably a tougher matchup. And she had to take it on short notice, too. She could have said no. But you're probably going to get your wish, Viking, because she's probably going to have to fight someone else. She's probably going to have to fight Man and Fioro, and sh- that is not going to be a fun fight for Man and Fioro. It's going to be a rough night at the office for her. Uh, Riley, hello. Riley, are you there? Do we have you? Like um, all right. So I wanted to ask you, uh, if Usman loses again to Leon, do you think we will ever see him move up in weight, or do you think he'll just retire? Because I know he's talked about moving up to two hundred five when uh, Izzy had the belt at one eighty five. I don't expect Izzy to beat uh, Alex the second time, so. He would have the opportunity to fight at 185 without fighting his Nigerian brother. Uh, and then the second thing real quick was I saw Ilya Teporia tweeted uh, like three hours ago, uh, July 8th. Um, I was just wondering if you had any insight on that. Uh, I joined like 20 minutes earlier, so uh, or 20 minutes late. So I assume someone probably already asked you about that. Thank you and have a heck of a morning. Thanks, man. So, yeah, no clue what's going on to Pori. I saw that tweet. He's done this before, and there'd be, like, nothing going on. Um, July 8th International Fight Week. That's If we're starting to book fights for July 8th, I mean, they're booking way in advance. I don't know. I don't know. If Usman loses to Leon, like, I don't, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know. I would be. I would not be surprised if he's just like, all right, that's it. Because what else is there for him? Because if he continues at one seventy, he's gonna have to fight the Shafkots of the world, and and the Shamayevs of the world. If he stays at one seventy, like that's his future. He's gonna have to fight these guys. The fights with Colby and all that. Like he's been there, done that. Those fights aren't happening. This ain't fifty five. Maybe he fights Wonder Boy. I don't know, but those fights are gone. That's it. So, and if he goes to 185, he is so far away from a title shot at 185, it's not even funny. If he loses two in a row to Leon Edwards, it, no, it's it just, he's not. Usman's a great fighter, and he was like becoming kind of a draw, but he's not like, he's, it's not like Usman is. He's Usman's maybe like a top 15 draw for the company right now. 10 at the most. It's not like he's got such star power that moving him up to 185 to fight Alex Pereira is all of a sudden going to do a million pay-per-views. It's not going to do great. So, yeah, he's in a really tough spot if he loses this fight. I'm picking, I'm picking Usman to beat Leon Edwards in the rematch, but not confident in that. 
And if he loses, then I just don't know what else is there for him. Yep. What's up, hey, four ounce sniper? Hey, good morning. Uh, <clears throat> two quick questions about the featherweight division. Uh, where is Giga Chikadze? I haven't seen him since his last fight uh, last year, I think in January, against Calvin Cater. I was just curious if he was injured or if you had any information on him. And uh, what do you think of a matchup between two other featherweights who both got injured in their last fights, uh, Calvin Cater and Brian Ortega? Thanks, Mike. Um, I mean, I would say Ortega could be in play for the Taporia fight. Uh, Cater, I mean, Cater's not fighting till 2024. At least that's what, I mean, when he, he jumped on our 284 preview show and he said, yeah, he's taking, he's taking his time. He's, he's going to slow roll it. He's be stunning if he fights in 2024 or, or fights at all this year. So, yeah, I would say Ortega is probably in play for the Taporia fight. If if it happens, that one would make sense. But yeah, Cater's Cater's got a long way to go. So, kind of not even fair to really match make for him right now. We have to see where this division is in a year, because that's probably when we would see him again. He had a bad. It was a bad injury. It was bad. So he's going to be out for a while. Barbarossa, hello. Barbarossa. Um, hi, Mike. How are you doing? Good. Um, What's up? Good, good. Uh, I just want to ask you about the combat sports in general. I I thought that with time, the combat sports would depend on the talent and the and uh, how the men fight, and then I'm. Um, a real, real casual fans uh, when it comes to boxing, and I've seen that Arthur Bitrebeef in his last fight he did uh, he made uh, less than what Tank and Ryan Garcia make, and boxing is in the business for the last hundred years. Then I thought it might never happen. We have associated uh, combat sports with trash talking and with the with uh, with how uh, how uh, the charisma of the person of the person we are talking about because if it's only about fighting i think he's the most entertaining boxer right now because he he has he's undefeated and he's in a dog fight and he knocks people out and you can't uh, wish for more but he's not a top 5 i don't know if he's a top 10 draws in the boxing right now and uh, do you think in the world of MMA it's going to be better or it's going to be the same thing since both are combat sports? Thank you, Mike. I mean, it's already like that in MMA. I mean, look, MMA, the UFC in particular, they took the WWF playbook and they just turned it into their own. Everything they've done is in terms of building, storyline, promos, all that, they ripped that right away from WWF and WWE. Everything. The trash talk, the builds, the stories, the promos, the packages, everything is right out of the WWF playbook. So, yeah, you got to have you got to have it you got to have it all if you're going to be a draw. It's very it took Habib Habib became a draw, but Connor got him there. Him fighting Connor and just 
that whole build, even though it was ugly and awful, Habib got got to show a little bit of charisma, a little bit of his personality in the build to that fight. He was booed merc- he's booed heavily, jumped over the freaking cage, and he became a draw. Like sometimes you just need opportunity to become a draw. Like Dustin Poirier became a draw. Uh Mazadal's become Mazadal became a draw. Um he he got over, had a nice new new gimmick, talked a lot, people understood his story. He got over fast. He I mean, that dude just caught lightning in a bottle in 2019. I mean, just everything clicked for him. The Ben Asker knockout, all of that. Uh, sometimes you just need a dance partner to get you there. You need a foil. And I think Asker is perfect for Mazadol. Uh Connor's perfect for pretty much everybody. It's sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you just have it. Hamzad's got it. I don't know. You don't know really what it is. Hamzad's a wrecking ball, but he can talk. And that's huge. That's, that's gigantic. So yeah, it's, it's been that way for a while. It, when it comes to the UFC, it's going to be that way forever. It's going to be that way forever. Bellator, you don't need it because they're not selling pay-per-views. PFL, they kind of have one with Kayla, but she lost, so it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. But again, they're not selling pay-per-views. They're trying, but no one's buying them. So, yeah, it's tough. And it's like that across the board. BKFC is the same way. Having charisma, having its is is very important when becoming a star and becoming a draw. Jay, hello. Hey, Mike. What's up? Happy Friday, man. So my first question is, do you know if the UFC is rebooking any fight with Aron Murphy for this week? I mean, next week or any upcoming weeks? Because uh, I really want to see him back in the ring. I think a lot of people forgot about him and how he's 11-0. and 0, And I think he could kind of put on the Ilya Tapoya run if they give him the opponents and he's able to stay healthy. So I want to know if you have any info on that. And the next thing I wanted to bring up is, uh, I think these betting odds against uh, Usman versus Benson Henderson is absolutely ridiculous. For having Usman as a minus 2,000, I think is pretty disrespectful to Benson. I think he's going to put on a way better performance that the uh, <clears throat> betting companies are thinking. So yeah, those are my only two things. Have a heck of a morning, Mike. So, uh, look, Usman or Magomedov is going to is going to beat Benson Henderson tonight. This fight will probably not be all that competitive. I think Benson will have his moments, so I get where you're coming from. But you have to understand, and let me just let me let me pull it up real quick and see where we're at currently. Uh, let's see what I want to see what this line opened because that's what the betting odds that's that's what the betting companies are responsible for. Uh, so this opened. Why is this? taking forever all right let's try this all right so it opened as a minus 1000 i actually think that's like right where it probably should be that's like a 90 something percent win like win prob and that's probably where this fight is minus 2000 is probably a little wide but look benson henderson's good like he's a solid hand a lot of experience but he is just not going to beat Usman or Magomedov tonight. Usman, Usman is probably, like, by the end of this Grand Prix, and I think Usman's going to win every fight he's in, 
in this Grand Prix. Usman Nurmagomedov in this division is probably going to be a top five lightweight in the world when this is all done. And he's like 24 years old. That is friggin' scary. And Benson's a dog, but this isn't – he's not fighting – Benson Henderson's not fighting Islam Mamanov tonight. He's fighting Usman Nurmagomedov. That's a whole different ballgame. Minus 2,000 is a little crazy, but the line opened at minus 1,000. They wanted to get some play on both sides, but everybody's all in on Usman right now. And I can't say blame him. I can't say – I can't really say that I blame him. I, re- I really can't. Yeah, I can't say that I blame him. Let's go to Patrick. We have you, Patrick. All right, try again. Uh, the other question, uh, I am told Lerone Murphy is going to fight next Saturday. The opponent has not been made official yet. I was told that there is two options on the table and that the UFC is trying to like figure out which option is the one, but I am told Lerone Murphy is expected to fight next Saturday. I just have no idea who he's fighting yet. Let's go to Torino. Torino, are you there? Yeah, Mike. Hello. How are, how are you doing, man? Good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Um, you know, well done for being consistent with this. You know, I have a few questions. I think the first one I want to ask is around immediate rematches. You know, we've seen this happen a lot in the UFC where a dominant champion loses their belt. And um, maybe because of their dominance, the UFC... Um, gives them that opportunity to have an immediate rematch. We've seen it with Usman, with Easy, with Amanda. And now it's looking like with Valentina. Um, what do you, do you think this this should be the norm? Should this always happen? Is there a world where you know an Agrasso, for example, an Alexa Grasso wins the belt from Valentina? has a fight with somebody else. Valentina fights another person. And if Valentina wins, then she gets, you know, Alexa Grasso back, you know, must we always give them that opportunity? And I know that now we we are losing most of the dominant champions, you know, most of the champions in the UFC right now. I think almost 70% of them are new champions. So we probably won't have this situation for a while, you know, but, should that always be the case? That's that's the first question. My second question is really around um, John Jones. You know, the greatest of all time. He's fighting Stipe. But what's your what's your take in terms of what could possibly happen if he dominates Stipe? Because the heavyweight division doesn't look very rich after. You know, Stipe, we have Blaze, we have Aspinall, we have all those type of people. But, uh, you know, what would you think the UFC would do with him? Or do you think there's a, there's a world where the UFC actually has a conversation with Francis? I know Dana says, Dana said never, but this is not the first never that Dana has said. You know, is there a world where UFC go back to Francis and try to bring him back? Or do you think they'll just try to put up a fight for him in the heavyweight division? Those are my two questions. Thanks. Thanks, man. So I'll touch on I'll touch on the Jones question. 
He's going to beat Sipe. He'll probably get on the mic and call for Francis. The OC will take a shot. If they get him back, we'll get that fight. If not, I think John's going to go away for a little while. I mean, I, I, we talked about this earlier. The only way that doesn't happen is if Jones is like, all right, I want to try to get to that to that number where I tie Steve A for like the most title defenses or something. But at that point, like John is going to cherry pick his opponents. He's not going to fight Curtis blades. He's not going to fight Pavlovich. He's not going to fight Jelton Almeida. He's not going to fight those guys. He's going to cherry pick his opponents and he will do that. And John has earned the right to do that. John's going to prize fight for the rest of his career. And if he doesn't want to do that, John will go away for a year or two. And if somebody piques his interest, he'll come back and fight him. Uh, but I don't think he's going to come back and like fight Tom Aspinall right now. Maybe Tom goes on a nice run and Tom wins the belt and like knocks off a couple defenses and he's just steamrolling everybody. And maybe that gets John excited. But John's not going to be around for a while. Like John's... John signed an A-fight deal. He ain't fighting eight times. Just, just, I, I would be absolutely shocked if that happens. So, Jones happen, Jones Stipe will happen. I think he'll call out Francis to try to get that one done because it's the biggest fight he can have. And then I think that's probably it. Unless he wants to really get to, you know, three or four title defenses. And then he'll fight like Tai Tuivasa or something. He's not going to fight Blades or anybody else because – why would he? Does nothing for him, in my opinion. Blades is the most interesting, like, competitive fight to me, but does nothing for John's bottom line. Does nothing for him. Patrick, hello. Hey, Mike, you hear me? Yep. Awesome. I uh, just want to say thank you for uh, hosting this. Thank you for all the content you guys, you and your colleagues provide on uh, MMA fighting. It's great stuff. Keep up the good work. Uh, just curious about UFC 288. Uh, when they announced it for New Jersey, they only mentioned the UFC only mentioned the Charles Oliveira versus Dariush fight. Uh, any updates on the main event? And is there any potential for a second title fight to be added? Uh, the two I see that like haven't been defended in a little while is the women's strawweight and women's bantamweight, Whaley and Nunez. So uh, just curious if you have any updates or any thoughts on those. Thanks. Uh, have a good, have a good one. So even though they didn't announce it, uh, it believe me, I asked, uh, and, and we all asked about this. Uh, the main event is 99% going to be Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Cejudo. 99%. Nothing that, that will be the main event. Will there be a second title fight? I don't know doesn't seem like it. I feel like Charles Oliveira versus Benil Darius is a pretty damn good co-main event. So I don't think, and plus you're on, you're, you're on the way to international fight week. So you don't want to just chuck another title fight on a card that look, Sterling Cejudo is going to do fine, but it's not going to be a, it's not going to be a blockbuster. Um, I mean, 286 is good, but it's not a blockbuster. 287 is more blockbustery. Bigger name value, no doubt about it. Uh, and 288, it's just, like, fun card. Uh, Chrome Gracie's fighting on that card? Like, that's crazy. Didn't see that coming. Fighting Charles Jordan? What a weird, out-of-the-blue fight. 
didn't not see that coming. So I would be I would be surprised if they had another title fight. Cause you, I mean, Charles Oliveira, Benil Dariush, like if you really wanted to, you could say it's an interim title fight. If you wanted to, it'd be stupid. But if the UFC wanted to do that, they could, because that's a that's that's a that's a legit co-main event right there. So, yeah, I don't think there'll be a second title fight. If there was, it'd probably be like Amanda Nunes or something defending one of her belts. But doesn't seem like that's happening. So, yep, Sterling Cejudo. Uh, I again, I was told it was done. Multiple, we got both sides confirmed that it's done. Um, that's happening. I don't know if the contracts have been signed yet, but both sides are in. I don't understand the back and forth, the tete-a-tetes on social between Aljo and Cejudo and Sean O'Malley right now. But yeah, I don't really know where that's coming from. But by all accounts, everybody I've talked to, that's that's the fight we're going to get, and that's going to be the main event. So there you have it. All right, Mikey, take us home because I got to go. Oh, no. Mikey, the wheel is spinning. Doesn't look like it's happening today, my man. Uh, all right. Sorry, Mikey. Joey, hello. How you doing, Mike? Good. So the next week's card more than likely going to be the better card for a little bit. Um, what do you really think expectations for Usman? I know Usman was winning the fight before the head kick came. Do you think he actually comes back with vengeance and maybe gets an actual finish? And if so, even with a win, but I think it could be a finish. With a win, where would Usman really go next in that 170? So I am picking Usman to win that fight. I'm not confident in it. Uh, I don't think Usman's going to finish Leon Edwards. I think we're going to see the fight that it's appeared we were going to get in August, uh, where Usman just wins a, a calculated decision. I think that's probably where we're going to where we're going to end up getting, much to the dismay of the UK crowd. But who knows? Mar Usman's coming into a fight after getting knocked dead by a, by a head kick uh, with less than a minute left in a title defense. Like that does a lot to a fighter. So curious to see how he bounces back. He's the away team in a big way in this one. He's going to travel all the miles. He's the villain. I mean, he's the villain in a lot of these fights, but he's definitely the villain here. Uh, And he's approaching a fight after getting brutally knocked out. Like this wasn't a TKO. This was a kick to the face that put him to sleep. And I'm very... Very intrigued to see how he how he combats that and, and how he bounces back. I am picking him to win a decision. I don't think it's a fight we're going to be going going crazy about going back and watching it a second time. But I think we see something somewhat similar to what we were getting uh, before that head kick happens. But and if he wins, he probably fights Bilal Muhammad. Maybe I don't know. Seems to be like the only one that would make sense, unless Hamza wants to stay at 170. But it doesn't appear like that's happening. So 
again, if I'm Bilal Muhammad right now, I am the biggest Kamara Usman fan on the planet right now because and, – and I don't even know if that's going to be enough because if if Kamara Usman wins like a, a, a decision here, Usman needs to get on the mic and call Bilal by name and that's his best chance because otherwise – and this might not be fair, but this is what's going to happen. Bilal Muhammad's going to have to fight Shafgar Rachmanov. And boy, is that kind of unfair. But again, it's why it is so important to make your moments count. And even if Usman wins, I could see a world where Bilal has to fight Shafgar anyways. Because I don't think the Colby fight's happening for him. I don't know. Bilal's in just a really tough spot right now. But, yeah, he, he might have to fight Shafkat either way. But that would be my guess, and then we'll see what happens. But welterweight's a mess, too. Uh, Eric, hello. Take us home. Do you think uh, – if Jessica H.E.B. perceived, do you think he's going to fight another top five opponent and then get a title shot in that co-made event next week? Mm. Let me see. Let's see what the UFC rankings look like. So Gaethje's three. He's going to have to fight again. I mean, there's just no way around it. He's going to have to fight again. Because if Benny wins, if Benny beats Oliveira, Benny's getting the shot. I dig Poirier is in play for a title shot. And I think Gaethje, if he beats Fazeev, is probably like three on the list, maybe four. Because Chandler McGregor is going to happen, and the winner of that is probably jumping Gaethje too. Um, and that just stinks. That just stinks. I'm not saying that like more Justin Gaethje meaningful fights is a bad thing. What I'm saying is, Fazeev finally gets this opportunity. We're starting to see a little bit of movement here, okay? A lot of these guys are just fighting each other. And it's cool for the short term. But for the long term, it sucks. And like I said in the Built to UFC 281, Michael Chandler versus Dustin Poirier on paper is a banger. But what are we going to be talking about when that fight is over? I hated the booking of that fight. Absolutely hated it. Because now we're in the same position. Chandler's going to fight Connor, so he has the place to go. Poirier has nothing to do right now. Nothing. He has to hope for a title fight. Or else he's got nothing. And now we have Gamron, who got the Dariush fight. So at least we tried there. We got Sarukian. We have Jalen Turner. We have Demiris Magulov, who is, I don't know what he's going to do. Drew Dober's on a nice run. Hinata Moicano's on a nice run. Grant Dawson is on a nice run. It's going to take them forever to get to a title fight at this point or even come close. And that sucks. That makes That just drives me insane. It drives me insane. Grant Dawson's going to have to win like eight fights to get to a title fight. And it's because of these five names. All because of those five names. They just keep fighting each other. Now, luckily, Gaethje's going to fight Fazeev. That fight needed to happen. Made the most sense. You see what Fazeev does so well? 
Fazeev had a name. He was ready to go. Beats the hell out of RDA. Finishes him. Calls out Justin Gaethje. Everybody wanted to see that fight. It's a sensical call-out. It was a call-out that made sense, and it got people excited. Fazeev didn't go in there and be like, Charles Oliveira, I just beat RDA, so I should get a title shot. No, he didn't do that. Call out Justin Gaethje, smart call out. Gaethje was coming off of a loss. Exciting guy. Makes sense. Fazeev has figured this thing out. And he got the fight. And he got the fight. But poor Gamrot, Sarukian, Turner, Dober, Dawson, Moicano. Guys are just going to be waiting for big fights to come. So I think the more interesting question for this division is, like, I want to see the world where Rafael Fazeev wins this fight. Because if Fazeev wins this fight, it's going to open things up. And Gaethje can fight Sarukian or Gamrod or one of those two guys. He can fight one of those two dudes. And it makes sense. And then we can start moving up the ladder here. And then we can start booking these other guys against these other up-and-comers. That's what I hope to see at Lightweight. By the end of this year, I want to see Sarukians. All these guys get opportunities to fight all the names above them. That's what I want to see. Because they deserve it. And it's, if we don't get it at, by the end of this year, it's going to be a long time before it happens. And it stinks. As good as lightweight is, we just have not had any real movement. It's just the same names over and over and over again. So there you go. All right, we are done. Thank you very much. 4 p.m. Eastern, uh, we will have our UFC Las Vegas preview show live on the YouTube channel. So join us at 4 p.m. Eastern. I believe it is myself, the great AK, my best friend, and Jose Youngs will join us as well. 4 p.m. Eastern. Tomorrow, 2.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, myself and Jed, People's Pre-Fight Show. Join us for that. We'll have post-fight show right after the event. And we will also have on to the next one, the podcast version on Sunday with myself and AK. And then it's on to UFC 286 Fight Week, everybody. So get excited. So thank you very much. Enjoy all the great fights this weekend. Have a great rest of your Friday, and as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.